0: Welcome to the Live Big podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Just to be around other believers, it's it's just an awesome, awesome and incredible thing. And and I I appreciate that. Um, When I travel, sometimes I wish I was here. And um, you guys are, are just a tremendous blessing. I'm going to pray, and we're going to get started. Father, we thank you for your word. Meet every need. Transform lives, and we give all the honor for it. And church says, um, by the way, no one in this room, I do not permit you to be intimidated or frightened by what's going on with the government. Amen? Amen. I forbid you in Jesus' name. Our federal government may be shut down, but God's government never shuts down. He who watches over Grace Church neither slumbers nor sleeps, he has you. So don't give in to fear, don't give in to worry, trust your God, and uh, he'll give you back double for your trouble, I, 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 I believe that. I think it's fitting today, we're, we're going to look at eight steps to handling pressure, and some of you are feeling pressure, you know, because of the shutdown, others it's, personal issues, This could be just a zillionth reasons why people in this room are, are, are feeling pressure. But one of my challenges as I prepare to, to share tonight is, um, I, you may not encounter this, but, but I do sometimes, people think that because I'm a pastor somehow I live in a, a different universe, a different, different world. Um, but The reality is, if, if you cut me, guess what, I bleed just as red as the next person. If you hurt me, my, my tears are just as salty as the next person. My wife and children have just as many needs as the the next family. And um, the reality is I am a fellow uh, pilgrim, if you will, on this journey on on planet Earth. I do have an assignment from God, but uh, still, I I wake up, have to brush my teeth and and put on my clothes like like everybody else uh, in this room. In fact, Forbes magazine listed in 2013 the top most stressful jobs... Uh, in all of America, and behind the firemen, behind the, I think, active service, uh, military was number one, and we have a, a lot of that uh, here, but behind the firemen, active service, and uh, the police officers, uh, surprisingly, executives or senior executives were listed in that number, so, you know, as, as this, this is a church, and, and I do minister God's word, but much of my week, is spent actually overseeing the affairs of a, a church, which is actually a corporation. We're accountable to government. We're, all types of things uh, go on here in church. But the point I wanted to make, lest you think all, all I do is just go and pray all day and that's my <laughs> only assignment, I wish that was the case. Um, and I, I, frankly, I'd like that to be more the case. Um, but, you know, I'm not just sharing with you today something I don't know. We're going to look really at the life of Jesus. So his life is really going to be the one that, that, that teaches. But over 20 years of, of ministry, uh, there's one thing I had to learn to handle, and that is pressure. One of the most frightening things uh, for people to do is to stand up in front of a crowd and speak public speaking. Some people fear that more than death. So here we we have corporate responsibilities as well as a public uh, speaking responsibility, the backlash and and all the rest that that comes, by the way, from teaching the Word of God, et cetera. So I I understand pressure. Uh, I'm very, very familiar with it. And um, I've had to learn and dig into the Scriptures to learn how to handle it and handle it. Uh, Hopefully, uh, well, I have to look at my wife to say, do I handle it okay? Okay. Uh, Matthew 26, 36. We're going to start there. Tonight, I'm going to use the New King James Version. For the last two years, I've been in the ESV. I'm going to continue probably throughout this year. Uh, but probably in the new year, I'm probably going to begin to use the New King James Version. I've gotten away from the NIV and some of the other translations because there's just too much um, uh, interpretation. There's just too much just trying to kind of appeal to the masses versus being true to the original uh, translation. So the ESV is a very, very exact uh, translation, but the New King James also is. In the King James Version, I, I learned the Bible in the King James Version, uh, but I, I'd like to leave out the thous and the these and all that. So the New King James Version, uh, I think. Um, will serve our purpose as well. Also with me, and probably you in the same way, I'll go through a Bible a year or so in different translations, and I'll see something from a different place and a different perspective or a word from a different angle, and it's very, very helpful. So uh, I kind of go through the different translations. Uh, uh, last couple of years, it's been the ESV, uh, but I think I'm gonna go back to the New King James Version. Uh, next year. Uh, If God's in that, you'll see me do it. If not, I'll stay with the ESV. Matthew 26 and 36. Tonight, we're going to learn again how to handle pressure from the ultimate uh, uh, expert, if you will. Um, You you don't have to go read a book. uh, uh, You can look in the book and get an answer on how to handle pressure. Matthew 26 and 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. What does Gethsemane mean? Does anyone remember from a past study or anything what the word Gethsemane means? Oil press, very good, oil press. Gethsemane literally means the place or the garden, the garden of the olive press. Uh, The olive press was, was a place where olives were crushed under the pressure of a rock until the oil poured out. Matter of fact, I'd like to show you there's a picture of an olive press. So somewhere on Gethsemane, there was a press, and the area was known for it. Let's take a look at the next slide. So you get a picture. The, the olive's on the slab, and the, the heavy rock rolls over it, and you go round and around and around through different cycles. How many of you go through a few cycles in your life? And, and sometimes God's trying to get the oil out of you, you know, and, and he gotta, it has to be a few cycles of pressure before that, that, that happens uh, the way he'd like. Let's see the next one. and then all of the oil begins to get separated from what, what I'm going to call the husk. I don't know what the proper name is, but from the fruit, if you will. And it begins to pour out of the olive press. There's one more picture. And those are olives, uh, the green and sometimes black. Uh, they're being washed in water, obviously, before they uh, get in the uh, press. That's uh, how olive oil or the anointing oil, uh, the, the anointing oil had several ingredients, but... Olive oil it was a piece of it. But this is the way the uh, oil uh, was crushed uh, in order to produce oil. And sometimes, um, let me see how I can say this best. It's under pressure often that what's locked in us gets released. And I wish it was another way. But sometimes it's only pressure that you discover who you really are really, really are. I heard a story, and I might tell it wrong, but this will help you with the, the picture here. There was an athlete that I think he used to get beat up uh, when he was in high school, junior high school, so he ran home every day. And that's what he did to avoid the bullies. But over time, uh, after running home every day, uh, he began to develop legs, and he realized he had a special speed, and he got on track team, and then he began to play football, etc. But it was the pressure that got on him that released the athlete, that was in him. Do you you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes uh, we we can't step into certain things unless uh, there's a a pressure uh, situation. And Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to the disciples, so he knows what time it is in his life. Uh, The name here is very fitting, God was very active in Christ's life and locations meant something. Everything about what was going on with Jesus had, had great, great and powerful meaning. So he's in the right place for sure. And then he said to them, sit while I go over there and pray or sit here while I go and pray over there. Number one, if you want to learn how to survive pressure, the first thing you need to learn is how to find your knees. Find your knees. Learn how to Pray. Jesus was God taken on flesh, Emmanuel, but guess what? He prayed. And if Jesus needed to pray, I really, you really need to pray. I know for me, when no one's watching at home, and I don't want to worry people and and try to have some super spiritual thing that I do all day, but typically when, when, when no one's watching, I'll get on my knees. And often, it's interesting, in those moments, I'll get on my knees, and I don't even have to say anything. God knows exactly, I'm saying, God, it's only you, I, I, I can't, I don't, I, I, you are my senior, my superior, all I can do is bow. And it's funny, I don't even have to say anything. And sometimes just bowing, for me, I get up with a sense of peace. Sometimes I stay there 10 minutes, sometimes 15. I've stayed there for a couple hours, honestly, but I, I've also done it in silence, surprisingly. But then when I got up, there was just something on the inside as I bowed before my creator, acknowledging him as my God, my Savior, my Lord, the only one with the answers. There's a power of of, of being found in your needs, prostrating your heart before God. Now, a lot of times we think prayer is just telling God what we want. Okay, Uh, We do need to share with God what, what we need. But you know what? When we go before God and humble ourselves, we get, the Bible says, submit yourself to God, uh, resist the devil, who flee. It also says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. So sometimes you don't have to pray so much about, Lord, would you lift me? Would you bless me? Would you show me if you just humble yourself? And I find that in these moments when I just humble myself, he, the experience can be so, so, so very rich. And then it says in verse 37, And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Number two, pay attention here. Jesus had a support system. These guys failed miserably, but still Jesus had a support system. A few years ago... Oh, the Lord clearly spoke to me and I said, Lord, you know, I, I, I'm not able to do, I'm not, it doesn't, I know there's more that you want me to do and, and all the rest. I don't seem to be able to do it right now for some reason. It's just, I don't know, I can't explain it, Lord, but I'm not able to, to break into exactly what you want for me. But the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, if, if I let you do what I ultimately want you to do. You're not going to be able to make it. I was like, "What do you mean? I mean, you know, you created me for it, right? Um, Whatever." And I I didn't really even know what it was. I just knew I wasn't there. And what he said to me was, "Son, you don't have a support system." And the reality is, the long-range mentality—that's not going to work. When you step into certain levels of service for the Lord, there's tremendous pressure. And unless you have people around you to support you, I know you're wonderful, I know you're strong, but even Elijah had Elisha. Jesus sent them out two by two. And um, he he was saying, you know, I'm I'm gonna get into my story a little bit too much, but the reality was, I'm so busy trying to be a help and a hand that I had not intentionally developed folk around me that I wouldn't assess relationships based on, you know, are they adding to me at all? That wasn't my, my thought process. But then I had to become a little bit wiser and say, you know what? In in my inner circle, I have to have people that can support me. And I'm not just there for them, that they can also be there for me. And if I didn't do that, I wasn't going to be successful. Jesus, let's let's watch Jesus a little more, more closely. It says, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply what? Troubled distressed. Let me, let me tell you a little bit of, uh, you know, Arthur, uh, our worship, I don't see him here today, Ball guy in, in the middle. If you, you know. <laughs> but people ask me, why are you and Arthur so close? And the truth is, me and Arthur don't spend a lot of time together socially. Um, Arthur, uh, he's not an elder, a trustee. I don't really meet with him much in the church. He was the realtor. Well, he is the, the realtor for, for the for, uh, the church, so we, we have worked together closely uh, in, in those types of things. But uh, it's like, why, why? It's strange. You know, I, I, I don't really um, get that. But years ago when, when, when uh, we built that building over there, I was under extreme, extreme, extreme pressure. Uh, we were building our first building. Uh, we were having challenges with the cash flow. Um, there's all types of criticism, much of it petty from leadership, uh, other leaders in, in the church. I know you just think we just have a wonderful life and everyone just agrees and nods. Uh-huh. Uh, I was challenged in actually being used in some professional relationships as well as some, some personal ones. A contractor was lying to us and... And uh, at that time, some of the people that were helping us build would actually get actually from the team on the church or actually siding with the contractor against the church, which was really sideways. And and if I ever called the contractor to task, you're not being a loving Christian, but they supposed to just steal hundreds of thousands of dollars and be okay. And, but, you know, and that's somehow loving, but, you know, we, 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 we dealt with this and, um, and as that happened, you know, we moved again. We were after we moved into that building, you, you know the story, we dwindled down to about 30 people and $1.5 million project and all that. So uh, it looked like I was about to lose my house. Um, certainly we were going to lose the church because I attached some of the, the funding, keeping the church alive to my, my house. I, I got an ext- um, uh, I, I, uh, a line of credit, and, and that's part of the way we did it. I, I went to, to sleep. I'd have shooting pain down my neck. How I mean, You know, with that, that, you know yeah. my back hurt. Um, uh, my my chest would be hurt. Um, I would go to sleep nauseated. Sometimes wake up feeling dizzy. And in those moments, and it, there wasn't a lot of talk where you know where, where Arthur and I would talk a lot about different things. But one time, one day, I really just I just lost it. And uh, I didn't cuss at him or nothing. But I told him exactly what I was thinking. And it really wasn't bad or wrong, honestly. But the fact was, he didn't judge me. He encouraged me. For someone in my position, that's very rare. Everybody else, y'all can't do that. What you trying to do? You don't have enough money. You can't. Who do you in the middle of that situation, when it was obvious that I was, you know, I was started scratching my head saying, "Lord, maybe I am crazy and, and, and all the rest. Um, he stayed there with me. You can't forget such things. And there's a bond, particularly those of you that are police officers, people that have been to war, there's a bond that comes when you walk through such situations with people. But when you walk with people, when you go through those types of moments, there, there are bonds. That, that, that happen, uh, particularly when people don't twist it and use it and leverage it against you. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? And here, I want you to understand what's happening here. Jesus had preached about all types of things. He's a powerful, wonderful man to the disciples. He had, uh, you know, talked about, it's my good privilege to give you the kingdom and all types of things he had said. But here, their, their hero, the guy that was challenging the nation and, and, and just doing phenomenal things, it says here, he began to be sorrowful, let me read it right, and troubled. My, my, the the New King, King James says, deeply distressed. When you can see that side of your leader and still respect him, you are a special and a rare person, Jesus was hundred percent God, but he was hundred percent man. And they looked at him in his humanity, and they saw him hurting. You know, actually, if you watch Jesus, he throughout his ministry, he handled stuff so well. But suddenly, people could be like, "Oh, you see, all along, I thought you acting all tough stuff. Yeah, that's who you really are." They could have did that, but they didn't, and. Here, Jesus is under tremendous, tremendous pressure. And let let me keep reading here, and I'll say a little bit more. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. So number three, pay attention. Jesus was honest. He wasn't trying to be a super saint. He he wasn't trying to be anything he was not. He was honest. And he said these things within earshot of the disciples. That's why they were able to record it. So he was honest and transparent with God. And his disciples learned from it as well. So when you're under pressure, don't, at least with your inner circle, don't try to pretend that it's not what it is. God gave Jesus a support system because he's human. He's human. And then his job was also to use that support system. And Jesus did. Watch what he says here. He said, stay here and watch with me. The first time I've ever heard Jesus sound needy, there's a pathos there. There's a cry. Guys, I'm in trouble. Okay, he didn't say, you know, we say, you know what, my foot is killing me, and we don't mean it. When Jesus said, my soul... Is sorrowful to the point of death it was not a light thing he was saying I am falling apart he began to sweat droplets of blood and it almost felt like his mind was squeezing out of his brain that's what was going on with the master and he was hundred percent human enduring the pressure of the cross and he fully understood everything was gonna happen before it happened in fact In his mind, it kind of happened before it happened. That's why the blood, because he's not only smart, he's, he's the son of God. He knew it. He wasn't surprised by the pain. He knew it was coming. So he experienced it all before it happened, and he's standing there as a man dealing with it. He said, guys, stay here, what, and watch with me. Jesus only spoke the will of God, right? So it was obviously, it was part of God's design for these men to support him. He didn't ask them to do something it wasn't God's will to do. So Jesus was humble enough, once again, to tap into his support system. Um, But, but, you know, sometimes we get so busy trying to get ours, we overlook people that are our friends. And when you find a good friend, it's rare and it's precious. You need to value that. And, again, we're ripping and running trying to do all this thing, and sometimes we miss some of the most precious gifts in life. Life. He said, guys, stay here and watch with me. Then it says in 39, he went a little further. So, so don't settle for form when it comes to prayer. Well, I prayed my 10 minutes or, okay, I bowed down and, and, God, are you pleased yet? He pushed until he got results. And these results were obviously on the inside of Jesus. The Bible does say in the book of John that angels came and strengthened him. So that, that might have also been part of the result of his, his prayer time. Uh, and, and I believe that the presence of God on those angels uh, came on him. Why did God have to send angels? Probably because, in my opinion, God probably had already kind of turned his back and said, well, Jesus, you know what? You're taking on the sin of the world, and I'm going to back away. And the only one that didn't even get close to him were angels, not God for the first time in, in all of eternity. Um, but but you, you could say that happened later. Uh, but but the point is, uh, the angels did come and minister, but he had to go a little bit further, and he fell on his what? Face, and what? Prayed. So when you're under intense prayer, uh, under intense pressure, you got to pray until you get your breakthrough. Jesus prayed once, but then he prayed twice. We're going to find he prayed three times. So sometimes if, you know, if it took Jesus a couple approaches, to get this thing resolved in his in his heart, it might take you and I a few approaches. You have been listening to the Live Big podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit derekgreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.